It's time for the Access of Easy podcast, the weekly technology digest that keeps you ahead of the curve. Brought to you by EasyDNS.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Axis of Yeezy podcast. This is number 336, the audio sidekick to the weekly newsletter, all the latest and greatest in data breaching and overreaching at accessofeasy.com. You can sign up, get the newsletter right to your inbox, read all the stories we don't talk about, plus ones we do. All the links are in there. And uh, you get a little bit of discount on your next Easy DNS purchase as well. My name is Joey, here with Len, as always. Brother, what is going on over there? We're doing it on Thursday night this week instead of Friday morning. How's things? Yeah, it's good. I, I like the Thursday night. I'm still fresh. I'm still ready to go. Got some plans for on the rest of my evening. So yeah, I'm looking forward to wrapping this one up and being all wired up as a result of this one. How are you? Are things over <laughs> with, with you, Joey? They're good, man. I was, we were just talking before we started recording here. I'm about an hour and a half or so into the Tucker-Putin interview. I have uh, that plan for the rest of the night and maybe also learning, um, as I was lamenting to you earlier or someone earlier, Anchor, the podcasting we use, is eliminating the episode building thing on the web app, which we've been using, well, I've been using in earnest uh, every week. So they're eliminating it in favor of something called Riverside. So I might um, mess around with that a bit tonight too uh, as a sidebar. But um, all said, man, everything's good. No complaints over here. Things are Things are going well. We have a, a number of good stories tonight. Maybe we should start, as always, uh, with the quote of the week from last week. It was, by and large, language is a tool for concealing the truth. That was by George Carlin. Great comedian, all-timer. Do you think George Carlin could have done a good Putin interview? I don't know. I don't know much about him. I know you're a big fan of his, but I, I don't, I can't say if he would. Or, is he still with us, too? I don't even no, know. No, he passed away. I think he had cancer, maybe the early aughts, I think he passed. Yeah, that's a little I know of him and his work. So, yeah. What do you think? Do you think he'd do a good interview with Putin? I think he would. Fun fact, uh, you're a little older than me. The millennial crowd first met George Carlin, though he was famous, obviously, for his uh, crass and very, very uh, hard-hitting, you know, a reminder, his very human comedy uh, act. He was a character on a show on YTV in the 90s called Shining Time Station. And he was the miniature guy, miniature Mr. Conductor living inside a jukebox, I believe, if I remember correctly. And the stories about Thomas Tank Engine would always start with George Carlin giving some little quip and blowing his whistle. So you can, I don't know how this guy made it from like, you know, the biggest comedy clubs in the country to Shining Time Station. It's a story I'll maybe never hear if it's not out there already, but uh, interesting. So millennials found him through Shining Time Station, at least Canadian millennials, and then probably in university. And the first time I started watching his stand up. Um, you know, you find out this is the same guy blowing the whistle in the jukebox, also talking about the seven words you can't say on TV, yeah, none of that, which I can say on that I remember. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But that was that was back in the early 90s. That that's yeah. stick. Yeah. So it's that's how far back it dates. And at that time, too, those words they were actually for, verboten for being spoken on TV. Yeah. Nowadays, you get by with so much more than that. Maybe even all seven of those words are now able to be talked I'm about pretty sure. TV. I'm but, pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, so that was last week's quote. Good sidebar there. This week's quote, probably not from George Carlin, though I make no promises. If something can corrupt you, you're corrupted already. That's a great quote. And uh, if you know who that quote's by, you know the rules. No Googling, none of that stuff. Okay, don't pervert the process. All right. Search it up, put it in the comments, and uh, you get your next renewal on Mark and the team at DNS. So, Len, this week, one, two, three, four, five Sink. stories. Six stories? Sink. 
Sink. I thought you said six. Okay, yeah. Let's let's get into it. Where do you want to start? I got them all pulled yeah. up here. That's deep fake stuff because this stuff is really becoming a thorn in the side for a lot of people out there. I didn't even Taylor Swift suffer some sort of deep fake and it's causing even the US government to try to get involved to stop that. But yeah. I don't want to get into specifics. But it's a matter of time before somebody does it for us. Once you have your name and face out there, people could easily, or not easily, at least it's readily available that you could get deep fake. But anyways. Does this mean I can start my OnlyFans empire and then claim it's all deep fakes? Potentially. Hmm. The, the, you know, depending on how good deep fakes are, because I haven't even seen any of them, to be honest. So I can't tell if it's... Uh... Actually, I, I have haven't... seen... Some of those interviews where they, they they do an interview with somebody and they try to make exactly. it look like it, but you can kind of tell there the, the lips just don't really match. I know. Right? I'm with you there. So, I'm with you there. But yeah. it's getting closer. I mean, that's retail facing stuff. That's the stuff that gets released yeah. by you know Johnny No Ones all over the, the internet. You can imagine what kind of stuff is going on behind closed doors. If they get the Google supercomputers working on this to make it <laughs> really worthwhile for us. But anyways, this deep stake stuff, like the scammers, they're using it. And in this particular case, they're using it to deepfake and, and trick an employee. And this, you're doing the employees of companies. And this one in particular, this guy that was eventually duped, he gave money away. He gave company money away. So he was yeah. tricked into believing he was on video at a video call with the company's CFO and, and other executives, but they were actually deepfakes. And the employee was initially suspicious, but the scammers were able to ease their doubts by inviting them into a video call with other deep fakes. And that's basically what happened. So the employee then moved over $25 million of the company's money. But afterwards, he realized he was been subjected to a scam. I did some digging into this story because everything I've read, and even a CNN article, doesn't name the company that was no. duped here. So are we being deep faked from this article, from this story? I don't know. I mean, they always call it the same thing, a multinational firm. I went on many articles, and that's the only way they describe this company that was sending sending out the money to the deep faked, um, the hackers out there. It's a multinational firm that's based out of Hong Kong. Nothing more than that. So it, it makes me wonder, what is this? Is this a real story? Is it a fake story? Because without definitive evidence, I'm wondering myself. And anyways... One thing is for certain that the deepfakes, they are becoming more sophisticated. And people nowadays have to be on guard when they're dealing with other people as well. It's too bad we, we're getting to this point where people are now have to be suspicious of even their fellow co-workers. But not only that, also the companies themselves. It's inherent on them to also improve the security measures. And that way they can prevent outsiders from entering and doing this and having money siphoned away from their coffers. So, yeah, there you go. Deepfake. It's making news these days. Taylor Swift isn't the only one. This company lost $25 million, But I'm wondering, is it a real company or not? It's a multinational firm. Name? Who the heck knows? How, how did this... Okay, two things. One, is this a PSYOP to get us all back to the office full-time in every scenario because you can't deepfake an interaction in the hallway or in a meeting room? I never thought of that. Potentially, I... Is, the work from home still uh, a problem for employers? Are they still trying to bring people in? Is there a pushback from employees from having this? I don't know. That's number one. Number two, this multinational corporation, how is it possible one man can move $25 million in this organization? He was deploying more capital. <laughs> yeah, is that what that meant? Okay. Yeah. 
And he deployed it. Steady lads. <laughs> steady lads. Deploying more capital. I don't know how this happened. You're right. I'm a little frustrated that uh, there's not a lot of not a lot of like breadcrumbs to follow here. I will note that there's like notes at the bottom of the article about Intel, Meta, uh, some other companies here that have like ways to figure out how to combat deep fakes and identify deep fakes. We're we're entering into a very interesting era of like very public cat and mouse with deep fakes and AI. We've talked about this before. And I think we've talked about it on the front, you know, privacy front, maybe on the Bitcoin front too. But there's a lot of cat and mouse here between governments and different companies that are trying to create and obfuscate and, you know, identify deep fakes. And, and I, I don't know who's going to win this, but isn't it true? I think I, like, I believe that what we're going to see is a major event where a deep fake causes a huge issue, uh, either a war, economic crisis, whatever. I mean, we talked on this show a couple of weeks ago and on CBP about how Powell, not Powell, um, what's his name? Gensler had his phone SIM swapped and, you know, caused the price of Bitcoin to go up 10% and then down 10%, basically in the same 35, 45 seconds. And that was just a guy getting a text message. I mean, imagine if a video came out of the president saying that, uh, you know, China had invaded Taiwan or something like that. Like that's not inconsequential and it's fairly easy to do. And thanks to Twitter, you know, that stuff spreads around the world in a second. It doesn't take, uh, you know, Walter Cronkite. You don't have to wait till dinner time to hear Walt tell you that something has gone wrong abroad. All this takes is just one of those body doubles. There's probably, you know, hundreds of them out there for Biden. And instead of just going by the script, he goes off the script and just goes rogue and says that, yeah. I mean, he's doing that. Bad. He's doing that anyway, right? Every time the guy talks, it's like a marble milkshake in his mouth. That one clip of him at the brewery is maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The memes that have come out of that are incredible. It's like, this is how I sound after six IPAs when the waitress comes by and asks me what I'm doing after I'm done. Wow, there's some beers I've had here. <laughs> you know, I don't want to make this all about Biden, this story, but in the past four years, if you look at him debating with uh, Trump, mm -hmm. and the debate is a one-on-one, -on -one, it's high profile, there's, you know, you're basically on stage and there's nobody feeding you information at that time that you were fed yeah. beforehand. And if you look at his performance there, how he acted and just his command of his body has changed so much in the past yeah. four years yeah. for the worse, unfortunately. I mean, yeah. everybody gets old, but man, th this is it's happening fast. The free world. It's happening fast. If you haven't seen the uh, commentary on the legal case about the classified documents he was holding, I suggest you read it, listener, viewer, and you too, Len. It's uh, interesting to that end. Anyway, let's let's move on to the next story. I want to know more about that. I'm gonna to have to look into this later. It yeah, sounds like another. It's, uh, not, it's not great. It's not great. Did they just nail Trump to the cross for this? No, or? no, no, no. It's the Biden documents, not. The, yeah, but did they nail? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the it's the Biden documents. The long and short is that they basically say the guys clearly experienced cognitive decline to the point where they can't. Oh. They can't clearly identify that he had missed. Yeah. You know. Anyway, story for another time. But highly recommend that you read the uh, the excerpts from that. Well, it's. It's a shame that we never had this guy doing his craft because he probably would have leaked a lot of that information. His name is Joshua Schulte. Schulte, sorry, Schulte. Schulte? Schulte? How do you say Schulte, it? yeah. That's according yeah. Like, I watched a video on this just to confirm his last name. He's yeah. an ex-CIA software engineer. And he, unfortunately, or depending on how you look at it, fortunately, he uh, was leaking information. And uh, this information leak was handed over to WikiLeaks and everybody knows about this. And eventually he was caught and he was just sentenced to 40 years in prison for this leaking of classified information. 
and he was up for 80 years. So I guess the judge was being lenient in his ruling. So this guy was a former CIA agent and was convicted on espionage. And this is, it's a pretty damning uh, tool, to, sorry, pretty damning uh, thing to do. And this was done earlier in the year. And he was accused of stealing documents and ha hacking tools from the agency and then providing them to WikiLeaks. And everybody knows what happened there. And the details that he was leaking includes on how the CIA was turning these internet-connected televisions into listening devices. And the prosecutors, this is interesting, were saying that the motive was to get revenge against the superiors because they, he felt that he was being mistreated by them. But it goes to show you this whole WikiLeaks saga, how important it is to maintain privacy and security. A lot of us are now plugging the, these internet of things, the IoT devices, and they have either cameras and or microphones on it. Mm -hmm. And those are access points to our lives, our, our private conversations, everything that happens within our home. And as long as these things exist, there could potentially be backdoors to enable people to listen to them. People should be aware and be very, very concerned about deploying more of these. Uh, and you talked about, you can't even, in a previous Access of Easy episode, even finding a TV nowadays that doesn't have these is virtually impossible. So if you are going to purchase a TV, unless it's going to be one of the old CRT models, CRT, <laughs> yeah, and that's CRT, yeah, yeah. Um, you're kind of stuck, right? Like, unfortunately, you're, you're forced to get something. So even if you are diligent and trying to protect yourself, you're still, unfortunately, just because of the products you're going to be buying just to live your life, you're going to be subjected to some sort of surveillance, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, Joshua Schulte's case, it just goes to show you that CIA was trying to listen. And uh, he's been, well, in this case, he was nailed to the cross. 40 years. He may not see the, the light of day at the end of this. He's 33 years old. So yeah. if he gets out early, maybe. If not, he could spend the rest of his life in prison. Looks unlikely. There doesn't seem to be much of an appetite for people who leak to get out early or get light sentences in the United States. I should note, I didn't mention this to you before the show, but... Zero Hedge reporting uh, about a couple of hours ago at this point that Tucker Carlson all, also spent a few hours with Edward Snowden while he was in Russia. Speaking of WikiLeaks and uh, violations of the Espionage Act, I don't know what else can we say really without getting banned. So I'm I'm interested in um, I'm interested in in you know anything related to leaking state secrets only because I think that there's value in keeping the state accountable. I mean, I think everyone believes this, right? You can uh, only really know the things you see and share and everything else is kind of behind a, you know, opaque wall at this stage, right? Whether it's economic policy or war policy or, you know, any number of different things, not much is really truly transparent, is it? I mean, even to the point Len, where, you look at some of like the bills that passed in the United States, the stuff that's supposed to be transparent. It's impossible to read through all these things and know what's in them uh, before they're voted on, passed, or or you know voted down. I, I I commend this guy, although I you know I just would say to people who think that there's an, any other outcome when stuff like this gets uncovered and the person who's doing the leaking gets caught, you know if you think there's going to be another outcome, I'm just not sure why at this stage. You literally have Assange in jail overseas, never getting out. You have uh, Snowden exiled in Russia um, for, for exposing the uh, Patriot Act abuses. And uh, now this fella, you know, for whatever secrets he's leaked. And um, the trend will probably continue. I thought, remember Trump was the guy who was supposed to pardon Snowden and just never did it. Same with Assange, never did it. Like, th there, there's no party that's going to start pardoning leakers because it's just such a dire, you know, 
a dire set of consequences for the public to hear some of these things for the first time and understand like how they're being spied on or whatever. It's just, you know, if you expect this to change, I, I would suggest uh, changing your view. It would look awful if he were to pardon them because then it opens up the doors to copycats out there. Yeah, for to sure. Really do something to take down the government. And who knows, maybe Trump may change his mind if he ever gets reelected because he, if he does get reelected, it's going to be a single term because he can't run for a third term. So because of that, maybe he'll be able to, to do stuff that he just doesn't care about the future in terms of his political career because he doesn't have a political career, a future after this. So who knows? Maybe he will decide to pardon these guys. But then again, who the heck knows? Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I'm indifferent. I don't want to talk too much about that <laughs> for fear of getting banned because I want to talk about Google and their cash system is now a thing of the past. And anybody out there that has used Google is aware that they had a cash system where you could go on a website and you could look at previous pages that were cached by Google. But they decided to, to go away with this. And this decision was, um, well, it's because of the, the load that's required and all the manpower and every all the, all the expenses that has to go along with doing this. So because of this, because you're no longer able to do it or providing the service to people, we're now forced to rely on other places like Internet Archives and others that are able to still provide the service, but for how long? That's got to be a costly endeavor for these guys. All, all the the storage and and whatnot just to to keep that up and running. So I not a big fan of this because this provides less choice out there. I like choice. I want to have different choices out there, and it's too bad that Google decided to not continue this. I, I understand it, there's a cost along with it, and you know I don't think this is a very profitable endeavor having the the cash stuff. They, they have a monopoly right now on the search engine, you know, if I'm going to search anything, you know, predominantly would be Google. I'm sure everybody else is the same thing. The removal of this cache is not going to really change my, my opinion of using their system, but it's just one less place we could go to, to, to look at the archives of mm -hmm. web pages. And I, I prefer to have as many options as possible. So I'm not a big fan of this, but, but then again, I think this is just kind of a, a small thing in a grand scheme of things. This isn't going to change my opinion of them, I, I kind of hold them in a pretty bad regard, to be honest, as it is. So, yeah, it, too bad. So sad. And uh, one less thing they're going to be offering us. Yeah, I think the big concern here, if I can put on my conspiracy hat for a sec, you know, when do you use the Internet Archive? Do you know when you use it most frequently? I'm trying to think just when I'm curious. No. When it's just curiosity, when I want to no. try to find something, when, no. when would I use it? When you, need to get you, through, would when you need to get through a paywall. Okay. So yeah. that's a big that's a big use for this. I think that there's a real You don't use a 12 foot ladder? 12 foot ladder uses the same thing. It's a archive.is 12 foot ladder, it's all the same it's the same product different skin as far as I understand it. So I think that when I look at this, you know, Google has no reason to pull this down. Stuff like this doesn't get more expensive with time, it gets less expensive. Technology grows and is deflationary in terms of cost, right? You get way more for your dollar in tech, especially as you as you become the expert. So I don't buy for a second this is about cost. What I think it's about, Len, is that the media outfits, the legacy Leviathan, is tired of giving away stuff for free vis-a-vis -vis the Internet Archive. And that's that's really what I think this is about. Because a lot of people now are looking at red lines and articles, official and, and unofficial. They're going through paywalls using archive.is or 12-foot ladder or whatever. And they're tired of it, I think. They want to be able to charge for the content and they don't want people to go back and see the things they wrote that contradicted the things that are happening today to start calling them for what they've been, which is in the most generous interpretation, less than accurate in their reporting in the past. And I believe that this is probably the case. 
you could you could say that's a little tinfoil hat, but I would just suggest to you that if you look at Google's behavior when it comes to stuff like this, who do they usually side with, the user or the Leviathan? It's been the Leviathan over and over again. This would be another example. And it's almost too simple an explanation to ignore. That's what I think about this story. Historically, they've just done stuff best for Google. They don't give a shit about either of the two. Whatever. You know, if you go look at YouTube, for instance, there's a lot of a lot of imitation that's going on out there, be it uh, defakes or just something we, else that are just okay. Speaking of YouTube, Mark, when you listen to this next week, we need to talk about the Lewis Rossman app and YouTube attacking his channel for putting up this app. Have you heard about this, Len? Speaking of YouTube. So when, no. when I think about so when I think about Google, this Internet Archive thing, we'll add this to the list of of inputs. YouTube wants you to have to use the services that it likes, whether it's its mm -hmm. own or others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would say this is a good example of that you you have to look at the Lewis Rossman thing because you're a Lewis Rossman fan like I am. And I forgot to talk to you about this. Uh, interesting content. I won't spoil it here because I am expecting it to be in next week's Axis of Easy. So <laughs> until then, we won't talk about it, but it's a great story. As far as this goes, I do. I like my theory. I think it's I think it's pretty sound. And to your point, yeah, Google does what's good for Google. Google. You, so yeah. if you go look what's what's going on on YouTube. Often you'll find people imitating, stealing content, and they're not there to, to stop it. They're waiting for the person creating it or the company creating it to request it to be stopped. Mm -hmm. Because if it's out there, it's more eyeballs that Google's able to capture, more revenue Google's able to capture. They don't care. So Google's out there for Google. They're not out there to protect either the big businesses or the little guy. Whatever helps Google, that's what they're going to be trying to do. And uh, yeah, maybe you're right in this regard for the, ca the cash system. I don't know. And you know what? I just I'm pretty sad that they're closing this off because like I mentioned, yeah. I like options. I want to have options. And without one option, now we're kind of stuck with really just Internet Archive. That's the one the only one I could think of, web.archive.org. Yeah. 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 But yeah. anyways, let's talk about iPhone. And there was a security vulnerability in the kernel. And it was actively exploited by hackers just very recently. And the vulnerability was affecting a wide range of Apple devices, including iPhones, Macs. Apple TVs and Apple watches and Apple released the patches for this vulnerability in their iOS 16.2 and, and also the iPad OS 16.2 and the Mac OS Ventura and the TV OS 6.2 also the watch OS 9.2. So they did release the updates for this to close off this and users are reminded to update their devices as soon as possible to protect themselves from potential attacks. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Apple does a really good job uh, trying to push those updates. And Apple users, they're just going to select the, yeah, I'm going to upgrade my uh, system to make it it's, uh, to the newest version of the firmware and, and whatever. So I, I think that Apple does a really good job with pushing this out. And you're probably not going to have too many people out there running old stuff. But this is from the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. They're the ones that initially issued a directive requiring this is interesting because U.S. federal agencies are using iPhones and they're asking them, recommending that they patch this because the vulnerability also impacts the government employees' phones. And they're asking them to, to well, not really asking, telling them they should update it by no later than February 21st. And if you want to know what this vulnerability does, it's a vulnerability in the authentication mechanism. This allows attackers to bypass pointer authentication and it's a security feature intended to prevent the exploitation of memory corruption vulnerabilities. So that's what this is trying to close off. And the latest patch does indeed fix it. So if you are using a 
one of those devices I'm mentioning, I mentioned, I highly recommend upgrade it to the latest firmware, to the latest software, because if you do, you're going to be protected from these, uh, these attacks because yeah, exploitation, that's something nobody wants to hear. Think of all the information we people, everybody puts on their phones and you don't want to be subjected to an attack by somebody and take that information and use it against you. Totally. Apple does a great job uh, patching this stuff. They don't um, often talk about the vulnerabilities in retrospect, which I don't know if I'm a huge fan of, but um, here obviously you have some um, some details. So, I mean, I don't have much to add to this. As always, the lesson that me and you try and pass on to people is just update your stuff with some frequency. You know, Apple doesn't always tell you when the updates are ready, but you can set on your phone. I just did this with my father-in-law actually. You can set on your phone to always do uh, required software updates overnight. So the phone will learn when you go to sleep and wait an hour and start doing the updates for you on Wi-Fi. You don't have to think about it. There's no need. It's, it's like you have to actively be trying to sabotage yourself these days. So don't self-sabotage. Just let the phone update and you'll be happier that you did. And use a phrase, uh, seed phrase, if you're using a Bitcoin wallet. I would suggest that. It's a huge, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to add that to our talking points here. The last story is not really much of a story. It's more of a prediction by this dude, Bruce Schneider. And uh, what's his name? Schneier? Is it spelled wrong in the, uh, yeah, Schneier, Schneier. Schneier, right. yeah. yeah. And so Bruce is hypothesizing what's going to happen in the future and how AI is going to be interacting with individuals, businesses, governments, you name it, on a very micro and a, and a macro level. And he's saying that this could potentially be a very good tool for governments to use and even big businesses. And this guy is, he's a security expert, so he knows his stuff. So in terms of uh, him trying to paint the future, again, it, it's nobody could, could say what's going to happen moving forward, but this guy, he's a very knowledgeable individual with respect to security. And he was going on to say that this, all this AI could be used as a way to spy on us in ways that we haven't even yet imagined. And, for example, it could be sending us messages. It could be checking our websites, which we visit. Every place we go through our phones it could analyze uh, everything about us, like everything we're talking about. It could even predict who we're going to be hanging out with next. Mm -hmm. well, it's going to guess what we're going to be buying and you know, even spot trouble before it starts. Uh, it makes me wonder. It's, maybe it's going to be predicting if we're going to be committing a crime, just like they did in that movie. What's is that Arrested Development? or No, um, Minority Report. Minority Report, that's it. Yeah. yeah, so the guy is predicting that companies and governments alike are going to use this to send us even targeted ads, perfectly targeted ads to exploit our weaknesses because it's going to understand our strengths and weaknesses, and it's going to try to play on that. It will also send us news feeds filled with stuff that could change that that can invoke some emotions like anger or whatnot that could change our opinions and stuff. So really uh, there's gotta be some strong laws to protect against this privacy because it's inevitable. You're going to have AI that's going to be doing this. It's really be snooping on us and trying to manipulate our thoughts and what we do. And ethical AI is something we've talked about in the past, the use of it and the, how it's going to be used moving forward. So really it's the best thing we should do is stay informed Hopefully lawmakers stay on top of it, but you know, as we know, they're always reactionary than uh, than anything else. So they see something and then they try to react against it. So the, the onus may be on governments and businesses, but really it falls on the end user. Again, just like the story we talked about earlier, you, you got to be very careful. You got to be very, um, 
you got to put up walls, put up guards against everything because AI, once it encroaches on your life, it's going to be hard to get, get it out. And even look at the latest iPhone, I, sorry, not, uh, Apple Vision. Is that what it's called? That uh, Yeah. 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 So it's, a lot of people are using it. You, you see yeah. like so many videos. It's a scary world. And that's another one where AI could manipulate somebody's just their perception of reality. And that's messed up. It's crazy. I would argue some of this stuff is already going on. Like, I think you and me used to joke at work. This was years ago, back when we were still working at the same place. It was either you or somebody else. Like, I really thought when I first started using Amazon with some frequency, like now there's an Amazon box coming out of my house basically at least once a week. Like, whether it's like something from my house or something like a cable I need replaced or whatever, something from my dog. I feel like Amazon, if if I had to just let the algorithm take the wheel, okay? And I just stopped ordering stuff on Amazon. But I still said every week I want Amazon to look at the same stuff it looks at now when it makes suggestions to me. And I want it to send me something it thinks I'll buy. How many things do you think I would return in a system like that? How many things would go back to Amazon? My guess, Len, is honestly not that many. Like, Wow. I, I would guess if it sent me one thing a week, I'd probably end up keeping more of those things than not. And as I started keeping them, it would get more and more precise once it knew like what other devices I had in the house and stuff like that. Before you know it, like the, the recommendations it's giving you are pretty spot on. And this is not, you know, anything new. The question is, and this is weird because obviously Zuckerberg was just like dragged in front of Congress last week and made to apologize for, you know, allowing maybe child child pornography images or whatever. I don't know exactly the nature of that question period. But the, the point is that they know that Facebook is doing harm with stuff like targeted ads and targeted, you know, like allowing certain things. We know that YouTube is doing it, that Amazon is doing it, that uh, what other services? Google search is doing it. Uh, you know, everything Spotify is even doing it. Spotify will recommend you podcasts if you're a podcast listener. Same with pocket casting with all these apps. Everyone is trying to push you in a certain direction. Everyone, every major company. I don't know that this is already not happening in basically every silo, right? This thing is suggesting that you might be able to, you know, find out information, personal information about people vis-a-vis -vis spying. My question, and you probably have the same answer, Len, why do you need to spy? They'll just give it to you. They'll just give it to you. They, you. You put a listening device in people's homes. You put a ring doorbell at their door. You know what time they get home. You know what kind of car they drive. You know if they like their neighbors. You know how many kids they got. You know if they got a dog. You, they, you know what kind of dog, what kind of keyboard they have, what kind of cameras they have. Well, they don't need to spy on anybody. So while I appreciate Schneier's you know, prediction here, uh, my my the point I would make is that you don't really need to be nefarious. The information is being given away. How many days, excuse me, how many weeks do we talk about people putting their information willingly into honeypots and then the honeypot getting busted up? It's not that hard. I mean, you could, if I gave, you know, whoever my phone to look at, you know, XYZ app, I'm sure you could find out a lot about me. The Amazon hit search history and buying history. is just one piece. But like, if you had all the apps working together and painting a pretty solid picture of like, Joey, the consumer, you, you could find out whether or not I was going to unionize my workplace pretty easily. Probably like, am I buying books about it? Am I, you know, buying like, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Bolshevik comedy, uh, posters, uh, you know, it's not that hard. So I, I think this guy's probably right. The only, like I said, the only gripe I have is that he thinks it's going to be taken nefariously. I, I think it's going to be given up willingly. What's the one common link between all those apps that you use and everything? I don't know what. It's the phone. 
Yeah, Apple stops the cross app tracking, but I, you know, I have my that it's exactly uh, doing what it says, right? Yeah, <laughs> trust me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. until I can review it and guarantee that's the case, I, you know, like we'll have our doubts about that. So that's really it. So if that's the case, then there you go. That's the, that's the the predator in this whole situation. The phone, the phone the is only one piece too, right? Like, you know, I think about like all the information that any service knows about me. You know, like. Like, what does the bank know about me? The bank knows more about me than anybody. If the bank sells like my credit card data or Visa sells my credit card data, like it's over. I, they're going to know exactly what I buy and know how, like how I am, who I am, what I'm about. To a degree. I mean, if you're always ordering for Amazon, then that's going to be, that's gonna be the, the only place that, they're, that you can see that money is going to, aside from maybe going to the grocery store and stuff. It's hard yeah. to like to pinpoint, oh, you're ordering a game for your PlayStation 5 from Amazon. It's, it's virtually impossible to figure out exactly what it is you're ordering. So now, without getting the, without then cross-referencing with the Amazon information. Yeah. yeah. So that's why the phone itself would potentially be able to get everything. That's the link, it, you think? Yeah. And it's the easiest one, right? It, every one of these silos doesn't have enough information outside of it to truly make a connection. But they all report to the same place, the mm -hmm. phone. And what does <laughs> the phone <laughs> do with it? I don't know. Oh man, I'm cooked. So it's, just... <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late to change your ways, Joe. Uh, hey, it's you got to, to change your evil ways. That's it for today. <laughs> That's it. That was number 336. Uh, good episode. If you want to come back and listen to us again next week, same time, same place, go to accessofeasy.com, sign up uh, for the newsletter, subscribe to Len and I wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care of yourselves. <laughs>